0: Miss Carolyn, Miss David, yes, I did ask them to do that at the last minute. One of my favorite songs of all time, I guess. Uh, oh, by the way, if you want to go to children's church, uh, grades five and below, if you'd like to go and be with them, uh, make your way at this time. But the love of God, I hope you know this morning that God loves you. That last verse, if you. If you just picture in your mind, if 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 the ocean were an inkwell, and you had this massive quill, and every man on earth was a scribe by trade, and then the sky was parchment to write the love of God, would drain the ocean dry? Aren't you glad He loves us today? Aren't you glad? I I uh. No, that's just a touching song to imagine. Who, will we ever comprehend God's love for us? I don't think we will here on earth. I mean, we, we know that we gave, he gave his son to die on the cross for us. We know that he puts up with our craziness and forgives us and all. But to really comprehend God's love, I don't believe we'll ever be able to fully comprehend it till one day when we face him face to face. And what a day that will be. I would like to talk to you this morning, since it's Valentine's week, uh, Valentine's this week, guess what we're going to preach on this morning? Love. Love above all. Uh, it's sort of a continuation of the week before last. I was in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we were talking about the gifts of of the Spirit and, and how that we're all one big family to serve and to love one another and and to work along one another, exercising the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us for ministry. Well, now I would like for you to turn in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the very next chapter. Paul is explaining to these Corinthians uh, to give you why you are turning a little history. And the church at Corinth had a lot of problems, a lot of problems. And one of their biggest problems was is people wanted to shine more than others. Uh, they wanted to they understood that they had a gift, and they wanted everybody to know i 've got this gift I mean they probably had the problem of when they laid money uh, a gift of giving and they'd laid their money in the offering page, they sort of waved their money around and then laid it in the offering so everyone could see what they were doing. They stood up to sing and and everyone wanted they wanted the praise of everyone there uh, they They had all kinds of issues like that. And Paul was dealing with that in chapter 12 and, and chapter 13 and chapter 14. Uh, these gifts are there for you to minister. Uh, these gifts are gifts from the Holy Spirit. You can do wonderful things. He's going, and we'll see in our text, that you can move mountains with it, with faith, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that, that you can move mountains, but without love, it's useless. Let's look at that today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of, and of angels, and have not charity in the King James, some of your translations just put love everywhere charity is. I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I not have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could move, remove mountains, and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Love suffereth long, it is kind. Love envieth not, love vauneth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they shall be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Father, as we study your word, I pray that you would just give us the the word, give me the words to say. Lord, let me uh, not speak my own, but what you would have me to say to to minister your people today. Lord, just lead and guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love. I mean, that's a that's a pretty, you know, especially this week, you every store you go into, the word loves on their their side their windows, right? Love's everywhere. What is it? What kind of love? I mean, I don't think it's this love we're talking about here is godly love. It's not like the world sees love. Uh, even in the Greek, And when, when the, they speak of love, there's three different kinds of love. There's, a, there's a eros love. Uh, the Greek, I, you know, I, I'm not a Greek great person. Y'all know that. I can barely spell my name. But this I have learned is that there is Eros. And when they speak of Eros it is a love that you are uh, infatuated or you are attracted to something and that kind of love just takes. Uh, You know it is probably a love like the first love when I probably met Robin when she was, wow I shouldn't commit to this, 13 years old. I thought I was in love. She was beautiful to me. She still is. But in a different way. It's not Eros anymore. Eros is just that first attraction. And, and, and it just wants it. I mean, I see, and that's going to make me happy. Therefore, I want it. I fell in love with a car. I got to have it. That's Eros Love. Uh, there's phileo love. That's a con- uh, Eros was, is a conditional love, by the way. Phileo love is a conditional love. This is a, a love of friendship or love that gives and takes. Uh, this is just a, a, a casual acquaintance. Oh, brother, I love you as long as you do what I'm asking you to do. Or I love you as long as you're doing things like I think they ought to be done. Or I love you because it's conditional. I love you because of how good you make me feel. That's phileo phileo love. And there's a lot of marriages that are based on phileo love. And it's sad. You know, and I'll be honest with you, I guess at the beginning of ours, I I might probably start off with eros. Wow. I I don't want that. I love that. And then we got married, and uh, yeah, she's going to be my wife. She's going to cook good meals for me. Spaghetti and fried bologna sandwiches. That's what I got for about two years. I love you, honey. But we all start out, a, you can say it's a. this is where you get stuck on one, but love is a progressive thing, you could say. But these are the types of loves and then there's agape love. I would like to say that I have agape love for my wife today. Didn't start out that way. And to be honest with you, I didn't know it would could be that way until we were put through the test. So you don't understand agape love until it's put to a test. Until it goes through the fire together then you understand agape. Agape love is unconditional love. It does not take. It only gives. It doesn't consider itself. It's not based on anything. It's just I love you with all that I have. That's the purest kind of love. That's the love we're talking about. Uh, Paul was talking about in First Corinthians 13. That's the love that God has for us Jesus was asking Peter you remember when he walked on the seashore and, and he was asking Peter after he denied Peter do you love me do you agape me and Peter oh Lord you know I phileo you I love you because of what I've seen you do I love you because of what I know you can do for me and, and so I, therefore I love you and, and Jesus asked him Peter do you agape me Peter never did get it And Jesus finally met him where he was. Uh, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, he would say. But Jesus loved in agape love. God loves in agape love. That's what we'll be talking about today. So first of all, agape love is supreme. We'll see that in the first three verses. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. Though I speak. Now, this ties in with chapter 12, the gifts of the Spirit, and, and how he's dealing with the Corinthians and how they were uh, really overbearing in their gifts and, and the things that they were doing, but they weren't doing it in love. They would do it out of recognition, they would do it out of duty, they would do it out of whatever reason, but it wasn't love. And he's telling them here, you know, I can speak with the tongues of men and angels. Now, I thought about getting into all that day, but I don't think I will, just for time's sake, and it's probably too long. But there's two definite differences there, just so you know. We talked a little bit about it Wednesday night, the tongues of men. That's basically what we saw at Pentecost, where the the, uh, the, the 50th day after the resurrection of our Lord that the Holy Spirit came, and when He came, men spoke in tongues. <sighs> I'm not going Pentecostal here. What that means is he spoke, if you were all uh, Russian, German, Jewish, whatever, I could speak in English and you would understand in your language. That's what happened at Pentecost. That's the tongues, I believe, of men. But he also makes a definite differentiation between tongues of men and of angels. I believe there's also a spiritual tongue. That we can talk about later. It was for a purpose. It was for a sign. We saw it in in, uh, in Acts chapter 10, where the Gentiles were being saved, and and they began to speak in tongues. And it was a sign to the Jews that the Gentiles could be filled with the Holy Spirit and saved too. So I, I'll just briefly run through that. We'll have a deeper study on that one day. Maybe Wednesday night if you want to come or something. But we'll talk about the two different tongues. But the point is here today is not about tongues. The point is that is a great gift. And these Corinthians were speaking in tongues and thinking they were so much better than anybody else because they could speak in tongues. We have that problem today. There's some people who preach, if you don't speak in tongues, you're probably not saved. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit. I say hogwash. Can I say that? Yeah. All right, y'all smile when I say hogwash. You know what that is. Hogwash. That is not true. But uh, but this is the same kind of attitude these Corinthians had, that they wanted to just really elevate these gifts, but not do it in love. Uh, he says here that if if I speak if if I could speak this, but I don't do it in love. Uh, if I, if I could uh, do these things and, and look so important and so spiritual, but I don't do it in love. He says on down, he says, I am become a sounding brass, a tinkling cymbal. In other words, you who are what is brass? The trumpet, right? Trombone, anything brass? Now, if I got on one, you would understand fully what he's talking about. Because it'd go, and the old note would come out that anybody would recognize. That's what he's talking about in that first part. Or a tinkling cymbal. Uh, I looked up these words. The tinkling means it's almost like a warrior's cry when he goes to battle. You ever seen them uh, in the old medieval days and they all line up on each side and run at each other? I never quite understood that. I'd want to hide behind a tree and shoot from afar off. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. But they, as they would rush, they would just all, ha It didn't mean anything. It meant nothing to anybody. That's the word tinkling means here. A warrior's cry or a mourn of, of someone that is mourning, a wail of someone mourning. Or I would refer it to Mason, my grandson. Every now and then, he just runs through the house. ha It means something to him, I guess, but not to us. He's not mad. He just likes to holler and run through the house. He he came up in the uh, bathroom today while I was getting ready, and he said, I just sort of looked around and I said, okay. <laughs> it doesn't really mean anything. That's what I sort of thought about when I am talking about uh, tinklage. So it's it's become useless. It's just useless if we could do this, if we don't do it in love, wow, time moves quickly when you're having fun. You're just a useless noise without love, he's saying. Uh, we're, we're talking about the supremacy of love. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and, and I have knowledge, uh, prophecy is just speaking forth the mind of the counsel of God. I am prophesying this morning. Y'all understand that? A lot of people think it's just, oh, that I get this special revelation and I foretell the future. Now, that's a type of prophecy. But the word here is, probably is speaking forth God's word, the counsel of God, things that can't naturally be thought of or absorbed of in our natural mind. These are spiritual things that are being revealed. That's the prophecy that's a gift. Uh, the, the mysteries uh, is a divine revelation is made known in a manner or at a time appointed by God. He talk, Paul talks about the mysteries of the church. The Old Testament people didn't understand the bride of Christ, didn't understand the church. It hasn't come yet. The Holy Spirit hadn't revealed it yet. It was a mystery to the Old Testament uh, church, the Old Testament Jews. But now has been revealed, and God had sent him to reveal these mysteries to the church. That's what that is. That's a gift. Uh, if I have that ability to do it, if I have all knowledge, and, and, and to, the word there is more to I wanna know, I wanna seek the truth, and I wanna know all things. Uh, that is a gift. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit to have a hunger for God's Word, to want to dig and investigate and to find the truth. He said, if I have all this, he says, I am without love, I'm nothing, as if I never should have been in the first place. Wow, that's pretty tough talk, isn't it? And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, if little by little I give away everything, all the food that I have to feed the ones that don't have. What a noble thing, right? What an honorable thing to do. That's great to do, but if you do it for recognition, if you do it so somebody can say, oh, look how giving you are. That's what these Corinthians were doing. Uh, I could do this. And though I give my body to be burned... If I was to just say, look, uh, i mean, guy, I guess, as a fireman. I've run in burning houses before that I thought somebody was in there. And I would sacrifice my life. I would put my life in danger. And if you've ever been a fireman, you don't understand that. Some say we're crazy. I think we are to a point. But it was a, it was a thing that I just loved to do. I wanted to help people. God give me that ability and and if I was to give my body and I was to burn up in a fire trying to save somebody that would have been okay with me. Wouldn't really wanted it, but maybe that's what God had for me. I tell people now that I'm retired from the fire department that I'm preaching the word of God. I've been trying to get people out of fire all my life. You understand? So if I wanted to give my body to be burned what a noble thing to do for someone. But I don't do it when love he says it gains nothing. It's useless. <coughs> so to the next part of this chapter, the this text that we read, we looked at the love is supreme and in it, everything above gifts, above giving, above sacrificing of yourself. If you can't do it in love, you you have nothing. The next part in verse 4 he talks about, he gives 15 examples of true love in action. Love is not a, here is not a noun, it's not an adjective, it's a verb. It shows action. Love does something. You can say you love all you want to, but if there's no action to it, then it's not love. Love. You can say you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, but you don't do anything that represents that. It's not love, people. That's That's the truth. As tough as it is, love is action. And what he's saying here, Uh, verse 4, love suffereth long Um, to be of a long spirit, not to lose heart. And I'm going to give you some definition, but I'll try to make it as painless as possible. Uh, it's to be patient in bearing the offenses and iniquities of others. Uh, to be mild and slow in avenging. To be long-suffering, slow to anger, slow to punish. I think of children. I've got to have a drink of water while I'm telling you this. But I think of my children. Or Maxley Robbins' children. They could do no wrong. Trust me, you just ask any mama. Their kids are the best ones in the world. Why is that? Because they love them unconditionally. I've seen boy, there's something I couldn't tolerate it for my kids to talk back to their mama. They do what they want to to me. Well, not really. But they could get away with a lot of stuff, but I didn't tolerate anything they did to their mama. I wouldn't accept that. But you know what? She'd oh, it's okay. It's all right. Don't don't worry about it. They just little. They don't understand. Yeah, they're gonna understand. That was my attitude. But her attitude was they could do no wrong. It, it's all right. I don't mind. I love them unconditionally. That's a mama's love. Daddies, we don't have that too much. But a long suffering that will put up with a lot of things. I'm not saying to overlook it and forget about it, but it's long, so it's slow to, to to act upon. That's the long suffering. That is what agape love. It does. It's kind. I don't think you need a definition for kind, do you? To be kind to one another, caring for one another, uh, thoughtful of one another, praying for one another. To be kind, to say pleasant things to one another. I don't think you need a definition for that. Love envieth not. Uh, This is to burn with a zeal. This is jealousy. Hello. Anybody been jealous before? God's word says agape love is not jealous. It, it, it is a, uh, a desire to covet for itself. It has a selfish passion. Um, that's what uh, the envious is. Uh, I, I want it for myself. And if you don't or you think you're going to lose it, you just sort of, ugh. That's not agape love. That's not knowing that uh, love a loving or agape loving person rejoices and everyone else's success. I mean David and Carol come up here and sang beautifully, and somebody sat back there, they should have asked preacher should have asked me to sing that. That's not agape love. That's envious. Uh, a loving person rejoices of what God did through Carol and David. A loving person rejoices in the successes of others, and the abilities of others. Uh, It celebrates when others do better than you. Vaunteth not itself. Uh, To boast of oneself, a self display, to brag on oneself talks about others. Uh Uh-oh, did you see what sister so-and-so did? (laughs) Vaunteth itself, wants to, and why do people do that? Why do people talk about other people like that? Because it makes them look better in their mind. That's vaunting itself. Or you could have someone, I, I actually had somebody one time and it was just really ironic to me. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. There was a, a function at a church and this lady was very much into herself, very self-centered. Just let them come on in. <laughs> I got you. Uh, but, and we had this this outing and, and, and all the rest. Of the, it was a meal. And she had fixed some special desserts. And she sat real close to the dessert table. And she was just eating her food, watching that dessert table. And as soon as the first person got up to go to dessert, she dropped her fork, everything. It wasn't even through eating and went over and stood by the dessert table. You know why? She wanted people to appraise her about the dessert she made. How pretty it is. How good it was. I did this. I did this. It was pathetic. I witnessed it with these eyeballs. That's what vaunting one itself is. That's not agape love. It's not puffed up. To be puffed up is to bear To bear oneself arrogantly. Be proud. Be full of pride. Be prideful. That's not agape love. I've got to move on. I've got just a few minutes to finish these. It does not behave itself unseemingly. It it doesn't act unbecomingly. It doesn't put itself in danger in itself or of disgracing itself. That's not agape love it acts morally and decently uh it seeketh not its own it's not self-centered it's not to serve be it's not to be served but to serve that's agape love is to serve not to be served remember i said agape love just gives uh, not easily provoked. That's a southern outburst or uh, to be irate or provoke aroused to anger, to burn with anger to lose your temper on a moment's notice. You ever met anybody like that? Somebody to make you mad and you go on a tinder just like I mean it don't take nothing. That's not agape love. Robin you listening to that? Long-suffering is what you need over here, right? Agape love thinketh no evil. Uh, it is taken to account. It's an accounting word to give her to weigh in on uh, a wrong that one has done. Does not hold a grudge. Does not keep record. That's what he's talking about there. Yeah. I'm having a hard time with them. You know what they did in 1985? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to forget it, and I'm going to be sure they don't either. That's not agape love. I've heard of people, brothers and sisters, moms and dads, uh, hadn't talked to each other in 30 something years because of grudge. They're still holding that on their account. That's not agape love. That's not the love that we're talking about here. Let me move on. Rejoice is not in iniquity. Does not find joy in an injustice or unrighteousness. It doesn't gloat that someone is not as good as you. Uh, did you see what so-and-so did uh, because it makes you feel better? Sort of like the other one. You really want to rejoice in iniquity. Um, I guess my kids have done some things before. Well, I know they have, and there's some things they've done that they came to me about, and I had to deal with them, and I didn't even feel the need that I should share it with my wife. There was no more need in dragging them through that muck anymore. But sometimes people, when they mess up, you want to just drag them through the ditch and rub their nose in them and up and down the street and just make a big scene look at what they did. And just heap up more and more guilt. Love doesn't rejoice in that. Love love wants to hide uh, uh, the sin, it rejoices in truth, or not hide the sin, but. Love wants to forgive. Don't let me clarify that. I'm not asking to hide the sin, forgive the sin, or forget the sin, but but it doesn't rejoice in it and it doesn't want to gloat about it. Rejoices in truth. It it obviously uh, enjoys the true things that pertain to God and to do that. That is our doctrinal statement. But love doesn't lie. Love doesn't lie. What do lies do? It destroys relationships. Truth builds relationships. Agape love always speaks truth in love to build better relationships. Uh, Verse 7 bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See to bear all things is that's what I was talking about a while ago. I got a little ahead of myself. Uh, when when it bears all things, it protects and preserves by covering is the word, uh, definition of that. Uh, to keep off something which threatens, to cover the ugliness of exposing it to everyone, a spouse that is always bringing out the worst in their partner, or their mate, or their other spouse. That's not agape love. I've seen that before, just constantly hammer Marie just going, David just oh goodness. Or David says, Oh Marie, goodness gracious, I don't, I don't know why the Lord ever gave her to me. I'm not they don't do that. Well they do, but it's funny. You know, they, no, I'm kidding. They don't <laughs> But that's what they're always bringing out the worst in their in their in their husband or their wife. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all things, have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover a multitude of sins. See, there are some times when we don't forget it, we don't just overlook it, but you can cover a sin. You don't have to blab it to everybody. You can work one-on-one with that person in love and help them through it. Ye who are spiritual, Galatians 6, restore such a one. That doesn't mean bring them in and drag them up and down the street and tell the whole world their problems. All right, I've got to move on. Believes all things. It, this is a, It wants to believe even though it doesn't seem like it's fitting to believe. It's not a belief or a, a, by coincidence, it is actually an act of uh, a, a voluntary act. They love you so much they want you to believe in you. Love covers the worst and believes the best. Uh, hopeth all things hope uh, to trust in keeps hoping even when trust is bro- broken, uh, always optimistic about the other person, no matter what, always finding good. Any other, that's like my, my kids do no wrong. Always optimate. That's agape love. Endureth all things. That's probably the, the best one of them all. To endure, to bear bravely and calmly and ill treatments is, is Vine's definition. Love cannot be done away with. It does not give up. The love of God never gives up on me and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that he doesn't give up on me, that he loved me in an unconditional godly love in that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me to give me life, to give me love. Is your love conditional or unconditional? Unconditional. Uh, is it worth your time? Is it worth, and I couldn't find a better word, but is it worth your investment? The ones you tell love, are they worth your investment even if there's no return? And I sort of equate this, you know, maybe to a house. You buy an old junky house and you say, whew. Somebody look at that and say, brother, that house is not worth fixing. Yeah, but I've got a special connection. That was my great-grandmother's house, and I love that old house. Yes, it's going to cost me $1.5 million to restore it, and it's only worth $35,000. But I love that house. I love that car. I want to restore that car. I want to bring it back to its original beauty. I know that it's going to cost me forty thousand dollars to restore it, and I could buy a one, a new one for thirty-five thousand. But I love that car because my grandfather's. It was my dad's. It was whatever. But you see, it, uh, unconditional means I don't expect ever a return. It's it's something that I want to do no matter what. It's worth my investment. It's worth my time. It's worth my effort. It's worth my love. That's unconditional love. Are the people you tell that you love worth your investment no matter the cost, even if you never get a return? That's agape love. See, I love my children. You know, a lot of times I wonder, what am I doing here? <laughs> Was it really worth it? But no, I don't. It's always lot worth it, even when they don't do right. Even when they don't think they should do it, I've got to do it in love. And I'll close with this. John 13, 35. Jesus says, if you love one another, agape love one another, unconditionally love one another. He says John thirteen thirty-five, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Pretty tough, isn't it? Agape love is not easy. It, it it just voids you of of self altogether. But we have a perfect example. That's what our Savior did for us on the cross. He who denied himself, who for the joy endured the cross. God gave His only begotten Son for you and for me. Denied all that He could do, all the power, yet because He loved you with an agape love. What an example that is to us. When you tell somebody you love them sometime, think about it, which one do you love them for? Eros, Filipe, or agape? Phileo or Agape. How do you love? Father, thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that you loved us unconditionally. I pray, Father, as we serve You and minister to one another in the church and and have our spouses and our children, Lord, just help us to love as You love unconditionally. Not keeping score or wondering if it would ever be worth my while, but just know that I love and care no matter what, as You love and care no matter what to us. Thank You, Father, for Your goodness. We thank you for this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.